Welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. Happy Monday to all of you. I'm Chris, that's Dan, and we're going to review a very important episode, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, we are. You tell the it fine was, folks about it. Originally aired March 26, 1992. Episode 20 of Season 3. It's called Colonel Homer. And no, it's not about military. It's a different reference, which we will get to later. Special guest voice, Beverly D'Angelo as Lurleen Lumpkin. Character where uh, she has two full episodes where she's in it, and she's spattered about as a background character from time to time in between. Every now and again, yes. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo's top four credits on IMDb. Would you like to guess what three of them are, Dan? Uh, I would imagine they would be Vacation. Vacation, Christmas Vacation, and Vegas Vacation. Yeah. And American History X. And an American History X where, they were the, where she was the mom. But not European Vacation. I mean, I guess he, he, it can't be all the vacations, right? Gotta, gotta get one of them out there. But yes, that's his, uh, ah, yes, Beverly D'Angelo. Still going pretty strong. She's actually my mom's age. Oh, yeah? Yep. They were both born in 1951. So she will turn 70 this year as we record this. My mom's already 70 because she was born in February. Yes, this is... Uh, Beverly D'Angelo's guest spot on The Simpsons. Very important episode. Colonel Homer. Uh, There's a lot to unpack on this one, so we're going to go ahead and jump in here. Bart's writing on the chalkboard, I will not conduct my own fire drills. (laughs) Well, that's something that actually would land you in detention. You just start making a weird noise and tell everybody to leave the school. And we get another repeat couch gag where they sit on the couch, their butts all fall in, the legs are up, the eyes are out. You've seen it. Yep. So they're going to the movies. And they're looking for a parking space and they keep they keep missing out because every time they spot a they spot a spot, someone pulls in and takes it. But they yep. that classic trope. That's classic trope. In real a uh, real life trope. <laughs> so we're watching Modern Family and they have a great a great gag with that where they're trying to find a parking space at the mall and they find a car that takes forever to back out. And when it finally does some dude, some hotshot young dude in a convertible pulls in and takes it. And uh good old Ed O'Neill's character, Jay, the, the grandfather is all upset with old Phil Dumphy. And he's like, you're letting people walk on you. And then while they're in line, getting the kids clothes, some guy cuts them off. He goes, hey, I only got one thing. So Phil's just like, okay, yeah, you can cut in front of us. And then the guy's there forever because he wants discounts and he wants to ask questions and he wants a manager and everything. And while they're in there, Ed O'Neill spots the guy that took their parking space and goes over to confront him. He goes, I just want you to know, you feel good about yourself? And the guy's just like, I'm sorry, I didn't even notice you. My dog just died today and I had to put him down. And he starts crying. And just like, oh, God. That's <laughs> So now who's the dick in the situation? Like, yeah, the, the biggest thing I ever had was when I got when I was going to be stuck at the Minneapolis St. Paul Airport overnight, and I'm talking to the lady, and she's at, and she's actually kind of rude, and she's like, "Well, I'm going to still clock out in three minutes," 
this is gonna take at least 15 and she was very snippy and upset about having to do it but i'm just like well you know maybe she's you know you don't know like maybe like her mom has cancer or whatever and she's gonna try to go see her one last time before she you know, it could be like that, but also she's kind of a bitch. Also, she could just be a bitch. And I was having to stay in the fucking <laughs> airport for 25 hours. Yeah, so I'd be upset too. <laughs> See, at least nowadays there's Uber. So, like, you can actually leave the airport and, like, go do stuff. And then just got to make sure you get an Uber back two hours before your flight. You don't always have that luxuries back then, but yeah. Now you do. So it's it's not so bad, but also, like, that's ridiculous. Uh, so they do find a spot in the compact lot, which Homer pulls into, and he's scraping the cars on either side. We got a lot of sparks over here, Dad. All right, and perfect. All right, everybody out the window. Out the window. So they can't agree on a movie. Everybody out the hatch, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't agree on a movie to see. So. And so yeah, Arch is just like, okay, you two pick a movie, and we'll pick a. Movie. The kids raid the purse for money. Salt movie. Yeah, because Look Who's Oinking is sold out, which is what Homer wanted to see. So they go to see the uh, the Stockholm Affair. He's like, yeah, they heard it's a great political thriller. Oh, political! So, of course, while we get Homer and Marge watching the movie, there's, you know, important dialogue. Homer's slurping his cup, and then he's doing the thing where he's trying to get the ice out, and the whole thing is one giant thing of ice. And starts choking him. You ever had that happen to you? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but it just hits you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you got, uh, you put ice on it right now. Uh, and then he just starts talking. Yeah. Who's, who's that, that guy? What did that guy say when who's I said, who's that guy? <laughs> uh, he's and, that guy at the movie theater. Yeah, everyone's hating him. Yup. Meanwhile, Bart and Lisa are seeing one of the Space Mutant movies, and Lisa's got her eyes covered. Bart's like, if you don't watch the violence, you're gonna be—you'll never become desensitized to it. Just tell me when it's over. It's over. And as soon as she opens her eyes, you hear like the the horrible cracking sounds. The screen turns red, and she screams, and Bart just laughs. I don't think I've ever actually covered my eyes for a scary scene during a movie, but I've 100% covered my eyes for gross scenes before, like something that would make me puke. Like, the first time I saw Team America World Police and he does that puking montage, I could not watch it because I was like, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> With all the surround sound and every, the horrible puking noises. Oh, man. Yeah, I can watch scary, but I can't always do gross. Sometimes I got to cover my eyes for that. <clears throat> so, of course, uh, Homer's mad at the octopus special, or the, uh, the, the submarine special effects. It's so fake, you can see the strings. Oh! An octopus! And Marge is yelling at him. And then he spoils the movie. I don't know how this ends. It turns out that the secret code was the nursery rhyme. He's saying his daughter and everybody starts booing him. He's like, oh, it was obvious if you were paying attention. And Marge yells at him and embarrasses him. So on the drive home, Homer is mad. And he decides to dramatically drive off and get away from the family for a little bit. Of course, his dramatic drive off fails because Maggie's still in the car. He has to come back. Yeah, he has to do the, the classic drive back. And... So, as he's driving down the highway, he sees a billboard for Flaming Pete's Barbecue. Only 75 miles to go. And then it's only 30 miles away. And that's the next exit. And then it's a smoldering building. 
And then he has to hold his breath because he's going, he smells a skunk, he goes past sulfur plants. Yep. Open sewers. The fertilizer factory. Yep. <laughs> and he finally ends up in the middle of the sticks. And he finds the beer and brawl redneck bar. He's like, ooh, redneck bar. Did you notice that there's like the giant pickup truck on wheels and then there's the, uh, like a cow? just tied up to the fence and of course when he walks in everybody's got a cowboy hat on and a bunch of people are fighting in fact one guy goes hey you let's fight them's fighting words and they start fighting and out comes yodeling zeke to perform but he gets taken out with a shovel and then the singing waitress lurleen gets up on stage while homer drinks there will be no service for the time being yeah, and they're all getting aggress- aggressive, so he just gets off stage. Somebody even throws a pig. And Homer's drinking FUD. Yeah, Are you guys have stuff? No. All we have here is FUD. FUD. I-, I-, I just love that reference, too. That's just Duff spelled backwards. All right, FUD me. Two Ds and still, still two Duffs, yeah. So... Beverly D'Angelo as Lurleen Lumpkin gets up on stage and she sings a song all about how you're, uh, you work. I understand you, not even your wife, but I understand. Yep. And Homer relates to every single lyric except for the pickup truck flipping on the interstate. <laughs> and then he goes up and he tells her, he goes, your song moved me in a great way. And which way to the can? <laughs> so... We realize that that song really resonated with Homer. He's singing it on the way home. He comes back, you know, he comes back in. Marge is all upset that he didn't call, but he's actually in a much better mood. In fact, he basically makes love to her right there. And he's singing. He's messing with the electricity at the power plant while he's singing, and he causes the doctor to remove someone's gallbladder. You better put that back in. Yeah, put it back. And then Lenny and Carl are making fun of him at the bowling alley. Hey, Homer's singing to his ball again. He's like, yeah, but he's bowling a 280, so Lenny tries to sing to his ball. And Homer just can't take it anymore. He has to go talk to Lurleen. So he drives out to the Royal King Trailer Park. Which has Does gone- he also like, go to Moe's and ask for fun? And like, is that the... We haven't had that in like 20 years after it made those farmers blind or something. Like <laughs> well, I went to another bar. Oh, Homer, how could you do that to me? Well, I was all the way 100 miles out. <laughs> yeah. Got any food? Got any food? So I, I'm a big fan of uh, 14 Days Without a Tornado, the classic trailer park joke. Yeah, and it changes to like eight. <laughs> That's like two later. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. So Homer's like, Lurleen, you've got a gift, and I want to share that gift with the world. So he takes her to a recording studio, gets her to produce her song. Well, Mr. Homer, it's your quarter. (laughs) Yep, it's your Homer. It's your quarter. So she sings sings this great song, touches everybody. It's the same song as before. And... Mo is so moved by it, he offers the free beer for 30 minutes. And, of course, Barney walks out. What'd you say, Mo? Ah, uh, nothing. Because, yeah, it was like, you know, 
2 p.m. where no one's there besides Barney. Right. <laughs> Barney's in the can. He, uh, the song touches Krusty, who's literally attacking Sideshow Mel because <laughs> he's been fooling around with his sister. And then he gives him money like, ah, take her somewhere nice. Take her to the Copa. <laughs> yeah, the Copa. He even calms down a prison riot. <laughs> Snake's about to bash a cop's head and then instead they make up right there. All right. So he's sh- sharing the song with the family. Marge is upset because she's getting jealous. Bart prefers shock jocks to country music, which Homer told him to shut up. But Lisa's all about it because Lisa's like, yeah, she's got a great voice. She deserve- She needs to become famous. So Homer decides he's going to take her to the recording studio and produce a big single for her. And she's like, Homer, you're just a big old sack of sugar. And he's like, hey. Oh, you did say sugar, right? <laughs> that's a great joke, too. Like, that's one of the ones I missed when I was a kid. And now you're just like, oh, I know what they're going for there. If you haven't heard a sack of shit yet. <laughs> so the best is uh, the suit that she gets him to play the part of Colonel Homer is so fancy that it was made for Elvis. Sweat actually cleans it. He brings the suit home. Marge, look what I got. I don't want to look at you, Homer. I'm mad at you. Oh, well, then maybe you shouldn't look at me. It's like, Lurleen got me the suit. It's been my boyhood dream to manage a country music star. No, your boyhood dream was to eat the world's biggest hoagie, and you did it at the county fair last year. Marge is like, you got to stop seeing this woman. Have you kissed her? No. Has she kissed you? A couple of times. <laughs> so. He brings Marge to the studio so she can reso- re- record her new song. <laughs> this is really good, too. Oh, uh, yeah. They're doing, like, the whole song. They get through almost the entire song. And There's, then, like, a grinding sound in the background. Yeah. She finally <laughs> bagged me a homer. Bart's just being, Bart's got like super ADD. Lisa's actually performing. And I love that Maggie's like riding the the recording disc and then she just falls off. Yeah, we're getting a grinding noise and it turns out it's Marge's teeth because she's singing about how she bagged herself a homer. <clears throat> and then when Homer goes to her trailer one more time to tell her that he's got her on a country music show, they want her to do two songs. She's like, I wrote something special just for you. And it's all about, it's called Stand By Your Manager. Oh, no, that's the last song. This is just a about bunk. bunk. Yeah, bunk, bunk with me. Bunk with me tonight. And she's like, you know, Homer, there's a double meaning there you might have picked up on. So she actually spells it out for him. And he's like, I can't do that. It's like, I got to go. So he runs out. Uh, runs out. But they have a big gig. On Yahoo tomorrow. On Yahoo. Dude, the best is Marge calling Patty. And she's like, I don't know what to root for. If, if if she fails, if she fails, we lose her life savings. But if she succeeds, I don't have a husband. She's like, I don't know which one to root for. And Patty's like, really? You don't know? <laughs> she even tries to guilt trip Homer, like, by having the kids dress up really nice. It's just not going to work. Homer's going to get this girl successful, which is kind of funny because Marge is actually acting like she's jealous, rightfully, because Lurleen's making moves on Homer. But at the same time, like, 
is oblivious. Homer's oblivious, so calm the fuck down a little bit. One night, that one night. Yeah. So it's like, it's justified, but it's also not. My favorite part is they go, we're going to introduce everyone in alphabetical order, and the first person is yodeling Zeke. (laughs) Not even close to being alphabetical. But yeah, her first song's a huge hit on the TV. And while she's talking to Homer in between, he's like, I wish there was something I could do. She goes, well, there is one thing. And she goes to kiss him, and Homer gets his entire romantic life flashback, which is really sad. Spin the bottle fails. She, he gets dropped off from a date, gets the window closed on him. He pays a dollar for a kiss, and the girl slaps him and won't even give him his dollar back. But Marge will love him forever. Finally, he's just like, I can't do this, Lurleen. I've got a family. And as he walks out, he goes, just to clarify, you would have gone all the way with me, right? She's like, "Uh uh-huh. That's what I was afraid of. So a guy tries to buy Lurleen's contract, and Homer won't sell it because he didn't get the name Colonel by being some dumbass army guy. This time, he's like, I'm desperate to sell, so I'll pay anything you want. 50 bucks. Deal. And that's how Homer sells the contract. And at the end of the night, Lurleen performs her last song as Homer comes home and gets back together with Marge. Not that they were ever separate, but as he s- slowly takes off his colonel suit, Lurleen sings Stand By Your Manager, which is all about how she tried to seduce Homer and he refused and she lost out on him and she made a big mistake. Even sings about how... I hope Marge realizes how lucky she is or whatever. Yep. And then the classic ending is he throws the cowboy hat as it covers up the screen to roll the credits. Very classic episode. And, okay, so, like, we we got teasers. We've gotten the marriage council. We've gotten the bowling instructor and the exotic dancer. But if you want to get a good story to really put Marge and Homer's relationship to the test and also prove how perfect they are for each other. This is the first episode to really nail it. Really nail it. This isn't an episode that you watch and go, ugh, another relationship episode. You watch this one and you're, like, excited to watch it. Because not only is it a really heartfelt episode, but it's damn funny in places, too. What do you think? Everything makes sense. Like, even oh, yeah, like yeah. Falling in love with Homer. Like, like somebody comes out of nowhere... And completely changes your life for the better. You're going to at least fall for them for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. You can't even blame her that much. You know, yeah, she until, thinks... she, until she's like real, about to jump his bones. You can't really blame her until like, and she didn't even push it on him. She gave him the opportunity to leave. And yeah. he left. So. We're going to, when we do the Mindy Simmons episode down the line, it's a, it's another classic one with Homer on the receiving end. There's even a really good Marge one with uh, Mr. Burns that we're going to talk about soon. Where she goes to work at the power plant and Burns tries to make the moves on him. Which is funny because that one's got Homer and it's got Smithers being jealous. <laughs> so, but yeah. All right. Well, I got some tr- Colonel Homer trivia here. <clears throat> Unlike most guest stars on the series who record their lines and then leave, Beverly D'Angelo stayed with the production team all day and even pitched several jokes. Just proves what a consummate professional she is. Sounds like, I mean, she's like, she does vacation, which I'm sure is probably how that got made. Four vacations. It, yeah, like, this is 
I gotta imagine, like doing that kind of movies, most most comedies are we're going to first get it recorded as written, and then let's see if anybody comes up with anything funnier. Yeah, you know, we talked about this on our old wrestling podcast, but we because I had mentioned this when we saw Fighting with My Family because Stephen Merchant was behind that. And like, and you know, I always thought he was a great comedian with his involvement with the British comedies and then his role in Portal 2, which I thought was brilliant. <clears throat> he did a guest spot on The Big Bang Theory. And I remember, like, I'm a fan of that show, but I remember specifically thinking this episode is really funny, like way funnier than the regular jokes. And I'm like, he had to have had some kind of influence on his character. And I think you were even the one that mentioned it. You're like, well, that's what happens when you get somebody who's really good at comedy who can put some input in, like... They're obviously going to give you some input and pitch some stuff to you. Paul Rudd has a writing credit in all of his MCU movies because oh, yeah. he came up with so many new lines that they give him an actual credit and pay him as a writer. So it's like a time machine. No, no, it's not. A, not Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul Rudd is freaking. Paul Rudd's hysterical in everything he's in, though. <laughs> Whether it's 40-year-old virgin or, or yeah, an MCU movie. I mean, his even his little cameo in This is the End is friggin' hysterical. <laughs> you got it? Yeah. So, I get it. <clears throat> There's another reason why this episode is so good. This is the only episode of the whole series written solely by Matt Groening. Yep. Only one where he's the only writer. He very often has a partial credit because it's his show, and he will give ideas that they have to take. <laughs> yes. But he wrote this whole episode himself, and that's another reason why it's so good. And I think it, this is season three. We're at season, what, 50? <laughs> yep. And uh, no, we're at season 31? 32? 32. Yeah. And As he's we written a solo, wrote an episode since. Well, maybe he should. We're recording this episode in the year 2021, depending on when you're listening to this, and they are on season 32 right now. So yeah. that. That tells you everything you need to know. Uh, The two songs, Your Wife Don't Understand You and I Bagged a Homer, were written by Beverly D'Angelo. She wrote them in an hour and pitched them during the table read to Matt Groening. Wow. There you go. That's another reason why this stuff was so good. So, of course, Homer Annoying People in a Movie Theater is inspired by something that Matt Groening dealt with. He had a friend of his when they were younger. They were sitting in a movie theater, and two annoying women sat down right in front of them. Groening's friend told the women to move, and and they did. One of the women then turns and says, Now are you satisfied? To which Groening's friend replied, I won't be satisfied until I see you burn in hell. Damn. (laughs) There was a time I went to go see a movie with one of my former roommates. We were sitting in a row all by ourselves. And two people came in and they sat right next to me in the entire empty row and they talked during the movie. I was so pissed at the end. Finally, I didn't like say anything, but at the end I let out like this really obnoxious groan and I know they looked at me and they actually stopped talking at that time. But there's some people are like that though, right? They're just that oblivious that people are being annoyed. That's why I actually kind of enjoyed the time that my wife and I went to go see Moana. We were the only two people in the theater. So we were able to talk because we weren't bothering anybody. 
That happened another time. Mark Adams from the United We Fan podcast and I, we saw How to Train Your Dragon in the theater, and we were the only two people in the whole theater. I did that with the first Transformers of me and my best friend. Only people? Yep. It's kind of nice. It's like a private screening. Yeah. Then if you don't like your seats, you can get up and move because the movie's already started. Who cares? Not that you probably didn't like your seats because if you're the first one there, you're going to sit wherever the hell you want. <clears throat> so, Krusty references his sister in this episode. She is never mentioned again. <laughs> wow. Uh, this, of course, is a reference to Colonel Tom Parker, manager of Elvis Presley, who was simply known as the Colonel. Yep. Which is uh, where we get the cur- Colonel Jimmy Hart. And we get Colonel, what's his face? Uh, the WCW. Robert Parker. Yeah, Colonel, Colonel Parker. So Another yeah. Colonel Parker. Yeah, like literally <laughs> Colonel Parker. Literally Colonel Parker. I prefer Colonel Sanders. And Colonel Mustard myself, but you like Yonel Sanders. <laughs> uh, Matt Grading said that during the production he received a lot of comments that Homer was acting like a jerk, but the explanation was that Homer's behavior was due to his desire to make Lurleen a star, and was oblivious to her attempts to seduce him until the end, which is why it works, right? Yep. Matt Groening had always wanted to write an episode in which Homer is offered a chance of being rich and famous other than being with his family, but then chooses his family over glamour at the end. When he pitched the idea to the writers, they suggested the parody of the coal miner's daughter and Homer should become a manager for a country singer. So that's how we got that idea out there. (laughs) Uh, The KUDD radio station that says, don't touch that dial, you've got cud on it is a reference to the San Jose radio station K-O-M-E, which is pronounced as cum, is known for, don't touch that dial, it's got cum on it. And <laughs> they also famously say K-O-M-E all over your radio dial. Uh, wake up with cum in your ear and the cum spot on your dial. Jesus Christ. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo first met Matt Groening at a party at Frank Zappa's house and was called in to audition for Lurleen based on her performance as Patsy Cline in The Coal Miner's Daughter. She completed the singing test and got the part. Did you also notice the deliverance reference Homer passing the guy playing the banjo as he, as he pulls into the county? And that same boy is waiting in line to play his banjo to record a CD. <laughs> I always love when they have little references like that, too. Like in uh, No Disgrace Like Home, where that perfect family is actually sitting in Dr. Marvin Monroe's office, all pissed off and facing away from each other. So, yeah, some good stuff in this episode. This is a classic episode of The Simpsons, period. Indeed. It's good top to bottom. It offers... Like, yes, there are parts where you're not rooting for Homer, but at the same time, you're also rooting for Homer. And there are parts where you're like, Marge is being... Never anyone's fault, right? Like Right, like, Marge is being ridiculous, but also she's being justified from her point of view. But that's just it. From their points of view, there's nothing wrong that's happening, which is why it's a redeemable story arc. It's actually really well done. 
really makes me say that Matt Groening needs to write more episodes of his own damn show. Yeah, because, I mean, the previous episodes, they all, all the previous, there's something wrong with their relationship. One of them went too far. Yes. She went to the date with the bowling instructor. Yes. Homer actually did the dance. He just got swept up in the moment. Like, yeah, they did stuff. Homer intended to go fishing during their marriage retreat. But this time it was all oblivion. So yeah, very classic episode. Where, where what do you think if you, if you were going to rank season 3, what, what do you think? I I'd, I'd say top tier. Yeah, it's top 5, 6 or whatever. Yeah, um, it's it's up there. But we've also had one of my favorite episodes of all time this season. So <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not going to be number 1. One of my top 3 episodes, period. Period, exactly. So. Exactly. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about more top stuff. Because the next time we join you for the Stupid Sexy Podcast this Friday, we're going to review Black Widower. The next appearance of Sideshow Bob. Yeah. So we're going to be reviewing another Sideshow Bob episode. So, of course, you already know how I'm thinking. Sideshow Bob is my favorite Simpsons character of all time. All of his episodes are classics. And... That's another thing, like, even in some of the newer seasons, if there's a Sideshow Bob episode, I go out of my way to watch that episode. Every time. I've seen every Sideshow Bob episode just for that very reason. As soon as I'm like, Sideshow Bob's in this episode? I need to watch this. So. Yes. Please uh, join us for Black Widower. Also, one of the first times that Selma takes a husband out of many. That'll become a big running theme throughout the show. Because Patty's the the celibate who becomes a lesbian, but Selma's the desperate one for a family. Fortunately, things do work out in the future. So. Ah, all right. There we go. Black Widower next time. This was Colonel Homer. Top tier episode. It's been a pleasure joining you guys here. Check out CKCC Radio where you can access all of the episodes of Stupid Sexy Podcast, go to ckccradio.com, go to podcast, go to Stupid Sexy Podcast, and you can view every single episode ever that we have done. All now 55 of them. But never fear, we've got podcasts for years. Ain't that right, Dan? Indeed. Well, that'll do it. We'll see you guys next time for Black Widower on another Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting? Nothing at all.